The information provided is for educational purposes and is not intended to diagnose or treat any conditions. The lifestyle interventions discussed should not be used as a substitute for conventional medical therapy. Imagine if medicine actually looked at you as a whole, opposed to looking at you as a bunch of separate systems. Dive into Integrative Wellness Radio with Dr. Nick and Dr. Nicole to learn more about the top trends in integrative medicine, to learn about what the limitations are with testing and what you can do to start your health journey. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Integrative Wellness Radio. I am Dr. Nicole and I am here with Dr. Nick. <laughs> so we are talking about does bad vision equate to a bad brain? And I think that this is a really important topic to shed light on because really our vision is a window to our neurological function. And we are seeing kids that are at such young ages already being prescribed glasses or even contacts. And then we're also having these uh, young individuals with their vision declining rapidly over time. And with that being said, it's pretty much normalized. It's not necessarily uh, being thought to be anything more than just bad vision. And when we really look at you know what is controlling the eyes, we are talking about cranial nerves that come from the brain. So it really you know got me thinking more about how is the vision reflective of the function of the neurological system. Yeah, almost a third of our cranial nerves go to innervate the eyes, um, and it's just there. It's not only looking at how the brain is stressed, but is the brain being stressed um, on like a toxicity aspect, a neuroinflammatory aspect, um, but it can also be stressed through uh, just eye fatigue uh, as well. So it's kind of looking at it uh, multiple different ways. Uh, and then there's so many other parts that your eyes control. It's like, you know, people come in and they have vertigo and it's like, is that coming mm -hmm. from the eyes? Is that coming from the brain? Is that coming from the ears? Like where are all these things coming uh, about? and being able to actually help people in not just one linear aspect, but looking at like, you know, maybe it is biochemical, uh, maybe it's neurological, maybe there's an emotional component to it of, you know, what are you not even trying to see within your life um, that has a whole nother side of things to be able to look at. So it's like, I love working on the brain. And well, of course issues. you had to go there already. <laughs> this is, this is what, what we're talking about. <laughs> this is what we're talking about. I was like, let's ease people in and not talk about our feelings already. <laughs> I have all the feelings, all 4,623 of them. Oh my goodness. Okay, we're gonna get, <laughs> we're gonna go, we're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. So, <laughs> so some of the big things, if you are thinking about, okay, my child is, you know, two, three, four years old and they already have uh, visual issues or they might have eye tracking issues, also known like as a lazy eye. You know, we need to think about, okay, is there some, what could be the contributing factor to that? And definitely at such a young age, we have to think about, is there something that would be stressing the brain from a uh, biochemical standpoint? So that could be some type of infection, virus, toxicity, and it also can be due to 
uh, the birthing process. It could be due to if there was forceps used, um, suction, if uh, there was any type of twisting movement to the baby's the, head. Just the birth in general. I mean, it's a little traumatic. Yes. Well, 100%. Those uh, things that I just mentioned are obviously more traumatic. More traumatic. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of kids that uh, parents will say, you know, their heads are wobbly. They don't feel like their neck is very stable. There's other kids that get torticollis when their head is cocked to the side. And then there's kids that are colic and are crying a lot. And there's a lot of midline deficiencies happening these days. Yeah. So, but the colic, I, I want to make a note about that is uh, colic is not just oh, your baby's just cries a lot and you were dealt a bad uh, bad deck of cards. Your baby is usually crying because they are experiencing some level of discomfort. And that discomfort can definitely come from gastrointestinal issues. It can come from headaches that they cannot express because they cannot speak. So there are many things to be considered when you have a child that has, um, that has colic. And yes, the midline deficiencies... Um, that you're talking, or defects, I should say, that has a lot to do with nutrient deficiencies that mom had when, when and during she her pregnancy. And a lot of that goes back to folate. Uh, I know there's a lot of conversation about the genetic mutation called MTHFR, and I don't want to go very deep into that, but uh, having that genetic mutation um, is one of the reasons why women become so folate deficient. And if you're folate deficient, that is definitely going to be a cause for issues in the development of the brain and neurological system. So, and choline plays a big factor in all of this midline. Yeah, so choline is another nutrient that women need. So, so many women are taking prenatal or a prenatal, thinking that it's covering all of the bases of their needs. But uh, very often enough, uh, women need more than just what's in the prenatal because every woman is so different. So the level of folate that you need might be different than a different um, woman who is pregnant. Uh, your needs for iron vary. So you really should be doing uh, better nutrient testing throughout your pregnancy to know, you know, what do you need more of, essentially. So when it comes to these different factors, if it maybe was deficiency through pregnancy, maybe it was a traumatic birth, maybe it has to do with some type of infection that the baby was exposed to. And you might be thinking, like, well, what infection would my baby possibly be exposed to? So if they're born in a hospital, they are exposed to a variety of different types of organisms. And that's just because it's a hospital. There are tons of bacteria and viruses all over the place, even with the proper sterilization um, that they use. In addition, there's also going to be... Um, you know, different types of microbes that the baby does not get exposed to when they don't go through the birth canal. So when you have a baby who go, is uh, born as a C-section, they do not, do not get exposed to all the good bacteria in the birth canal, but they get exposed to a lot of hospital bacteria. So these are kids that have higher strains of strep and staph. They also don't get that neural stimulation uh, as well coming out through the vaginal canal. Yeah, so that neural stimulation is one of the things that really like kind of like almost activates the neurological function and improves the cranial nerve function as well of the eyes. So those are just some of the things that can happen very, very, very early on. But the biggest point to understand is that we have to consider, you know, if the eyes are so compromised, then 
is this really a reflection of having poor neurological function? Well, almost always, you know, there's a, a component to it. You know, like you said, it's like, you know, if there's floaters, floaters can be a big portion of mold toxicity. Um, but if there is tracking issues, it's going to definitely go back to one of the cranial nerves, uh, just figuring out which part of that tracking uh, isn't going to happen. And then saying, you know, is this tracking, like, you know, looking at it, is functional neurology eye exercises going to actually help? Um, or is this going to actually put more of a stress onto the eye because uh, it's coming from a toxicity, it's coming from a viral toxin, um, or it's becoming from just that neural impingement uh, through maybe the spinal cord, uh, maybe the base of the occiput's a little off. Sometimes mm -hmm. TMJ can uh, have a component uh, to affecting some of the nerves. Um, so it's like you have to be able to be a detective and really look at all the different mm -hmm. possibilities because you don't want to induce more of a stress of trying to help the situation. Uh, you really want to, when it comes to the brain, it's like first, you know, be able to get all the, what I say, take the foot off the brakes first and just allow the body to naturally heal. And then as it has more energy, then we can kind of pump on the gas. Yeah, the, when it comes to also like if one eye is more compromised than the other, then that is gonna definitely be indicative that one side of the brain is uh, either weaker or more inflamed than the other side. So not only are you having an eye problem, but you're also now having an imbalance in the brain hemispheres, which plays a very significant role in the body function, organ function, immune system, etc. So there's a big cascade effect that happens. And as we continue to just talk about kids, uh, there is definitely many kids nowadays being diagnosed on the spectrum, um, either Asperger's um, or full-blown autistic. And very often what you're hearing about is how these kids are having a lot of um, issues with eye contact. And part of this is, you know, issues within the cranial nerves that control the eyes. But then there is other components of this that has to do with inflammation in the neurological system. And we've worked with many autistic kids or even kids on the spectrum over time. And it's really been different across the board um, with what these kids are dealing with. We've had um, one young girl who had neuroborreliosis, which is Lyme disease of the brain. Um, there was another case of having Coxsackie in the brain. Coxsackie is the hand, foot, and mouth virus that is, you know, somewhat common in children. There has been other cases of the herpes simplex virus being in the brain. And then there's been other cases of strep being in the brain from chronic um, sinus issues, sore throats, ear infections. So the neurological stress can come from a variety of different organisms. And these organisms are not uncommon. You know, herpes simplex virus, that's cold sores. Um, people think I that mean, they only- Most people that have cold sores or have HSV-1 mm -hmm. present don't ever have a cold sore. Yes, exactly. Well, that's what I was gonna say is that a lot of people just think, oh, it just causes cold sores on the face or in the mouth, but that virus can live in your intestines and that virus can be a culprit for Crohn's disease because the same sores you get on the outside of your face, you can have those sores in your intestines, which technically on imaging is Crohn's disease. So these viruses are not cut and dry. They're not always textbook manifestation. They can look very different across the board. And I would say with the herpes simplex virus, that is probably the primary one that I see with kids that have eye issues that also have neurological issues when they're young. And then just 
because you were talking about the gut-brain axis, especially for viruses, they travel through the vagus nerve. It's like mm-hmm. a, a highway for pretty much those pathogens to travel from all of the entire gastrointestinal system to the brain. Yeah, so the vagus nerve is interesting because it starts in the brainstem, it works its way down, it affects the um, the heart, it also, well, it controls aspects of the heart, the respiratory Got system, and the gut. Yeah, too. So you could easily have a person who's dealing with gut issues, um, maybe even chronic constipation, and then they're also dealing with heart palpitations, maybe shortness of breath, and then they maybe get bouts of dizziness. And that all can really come back to the vagus nerve, and it could be different organisms that started in the gut that work their way up, like Dr. Nick said. So uh, again, when when we're talking about you know, the visual system and the neurological system, as we get older and there is more activity, now there's also a potential for injuries and hitting the head or having different types of um, shifts or misalignments. So you mentioned the TMJ before, which is um, the kind of misalignment of the, the jaw. And this can definitely happen gradually. Um, it can happen from dental work. It can also happen from, you know, some type of, of injury f- falling on your face. Um, it can happen from clenching. Clenching. Uh, but also one of the biggest, uh, the biggest connections to the visual centers is hitting the back of the head, hitting the occipital lobe. So hitting the back of the head, which unfortunately a lot of kids have hit the back of their head. You know, they've fallen, you know, that's the nature of learning how to walk and run. So it doesn't have to be a concussion. It doesn't have to be a hospitalization status. It could just be a good bump to the head and hitting the back of the head, which then can create issues in the base of the skull and even the neck, that actually can be a culprit behind visual issues as well. That's, and that's one reason why a lot of times we have visual sensations with like migraines uh, and headaches, because it's, a, it's all affecting that same part of the brain, same part of the pathway. Well, speaking of that, so when we're talking about the brain, the biggest thing for you guys to take away is that when you have migraines, when you have visual issues, you know, migraines, you might be seeing a neurologist. When we're talking about visual issues, you know, you're going to your eye doctor and just getting evaluated for what type of glasses that you need. You know, if you have the lazy eye, you might go to some type of neurologist that specializes in that. Um, or a neurological optometrist. So there's all these like segregated out physicians in the healthcare system. But when we're talking about, you know, what can be affecting the eyes, we can definitely be talking about infections, which technically is immunology or infectious disease. Uh, We can also be dealing with head injuries, which, you know, you can potentially see a neurologist if you have something severe like a concussion. But in addition to that, you can also be dealing with blood flow issues, cardiovascular issues. And cardiovascular issues is a very big component to headaches and migraines. And we actually did a whole podcast on how migraines are primarily a cardiovascular problem. So I would definitely check that out. But on the poor part is most neurologists and testing that they're going to do aren't going to evaluate blood flow. Uh, they're, exactly. They're doing an MRI, CT scan, EEG. 
they're not doing like a functional MRI or other testing to really be able to evaluate the actual proper blood flow. Well, that's the thing is if you have a good bump to your head and maybe, you know, you didn't have any actual damage to the brain tissue, hence no concussion or anything like that, you could easily create misalignments in the cranial bones, you can create misalignments in the neck, you can create a lot of tension in the neck muscles, and these are the structures that are going to compromise the blood flow in and out of the head, in addition to compromising the way that the cerebral spinal fluid moves. So the cerebral spinal fluid is pretty much the fluid that your brain floats in. So from there, what's going to happen is you're going to have a decrease in blood flow, which is going to decrease the amount of oxygen getting to the brain, which then can in turn create headaches or migraines or eventually visual issues. And then if you don't have the proper cerebral spinal fluid flow, you're going to have a lot of brain fog, memory loss, because the cerebral spinal fluid flow brings um, glucose and it brings nutrients to the brain to give it the fuel that it needs. So all of these components can create a variety of neurological issues, but one of them is visual. And just to add one more on there that most people don't really understand at all is fibromyalgia. So all fibromyalgia deals with chronic glial pain. Uh, so glial cells are part of the neurons of the brain, uh, which is really like your lymphatic, uh, your detoxification center uh, area mm -hmm. for the brain. Uh, there's a couple different uh, types of glial cells um, but really chronic pain is all associated with an overactivation of the glial cells um, trying to detox that inflammatory aspect so anytime that you're in chronic pain those pain signals are just constantly firing yeah. the brain overfired brain increases inflammation inflammation the glial cells are constantly overworking uh, so they never turn off so it's kind of like that threshold of activation is just constantly there mm -hmm. so and that confuses so many people with fibromyalgia and most almost every fibromyalgia case i've seen they all have eye issues and it's mm -hmm. like not that they actually have an eye issue it's they have a brain issue they have a glial cell issue they have an infl inflammatory issue that's also connected to and also body pain so it's being able to work on all the different components of that so that you can tone down the glial reaction, mm -hmm. you can help the body calm down, you can get the nervous system finally into a parasympathetic state, slow down and heal instead of that fight or flight sympathetic state. Mm -hmm. And then also once that's down enough to be able to start inducing the proper activation of the eyes to calm down that firing, the, the, uh, the chaos, the chaotic firing uh, of the cranial nerves. Um, so you're supporting all those pathways at the same time. Yeah, well, that's kind of our experience with um, functional neurology is when we were really learning functional neurology and we were uh, in school, we were visiting a lot of functional neurology practices and functional neurology is um, it's practiced by many different physicians, but we were specifically observing chiropractors that were doing it. And when we were understanding like the overall big picture of the brain and the eyes, it seemed it seemed kind of silly that we were trying to strengthen the eyes in order to improve the brain and what about the cases that the brain need to be, needed to be dealt with before you could actually correct the eyes so it's almost like you're trying to strengthen something that is being influenced by either inflammation toxicity 
or even something structural. So we found that even at that time, being years upon years ago, it just didn't make a ton of sense. And as we started to kind of unfold the layers and understand the integration of the body, we realized that the eye ex exercises are very valuable, but it's all about timing. It's not what you do. It's, it's how you do it. Um, so a couple of things that I think are important because those of you listening probably have some level of poor vision and that's why you're listening. But when we're talking about the eyes, the major things that we need to consider is we need to literally think about the surrounding structures that can influence it. And when it comes to the eyes, the cranial nerves and the brain, we have to consider the health of our sinuses. You know, do we have chronic inflammation in our sinuses? Do we snore when we sleep? The sinuses actually play a very significant role in how well the brain can detox. We also have to consider how we had a bunch of head injuries. Do we have scars on our head? I always ask, do you have any head injuries? No, 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 no. <laughs> and then I'm like, what's that scar on your forehead? And they're like, oh, I got hit with a golf club when I was young. And I'm like, yeah, that's a head injury. So, um, but not only, you know, the head, the injury in that moment, but if you have a scar, then you actually have adhesions that could be blocking, again, how well things are moving and flowing. We also have to consider how much dental work have you had? And maybe the dental work compromised your jaw, but maybe you also have a boatload of toxins in your mouth because you have silver fillings, white fillings, sealants, root canals, etc. So we need to consider all of these surrounding areas. And also too, if you have these low grade sore throats all the time and your tonsils are huge and you get those lovely tonsil stones, only some of you will know what I'm talking about, but those gross white things that pop out of your tonsils and smell horrid, those are called tonsil stones. And what they are, are a brewing ground of bacteria. <laughs> and I know this very well because I used to have them. And that really, once I understood the big picture, I understood how sinuses, tonsils, the lymph nodes and glands of your neck, they all work together. And when those systems are not working at their best, your brain cannot detox properly. And even if you lead the healthiest lifestyle on the planet, your brain still needs to detox. And I say this because your body is, uh, is anabolic and catabolic. So literally you're having the building up of cells, the breakdown of cells. You have cells that uh, go through apoptosis, which kills off cells that your body no longer needs, or those cells were aged. So it's not just about like you working in a factory or being a mechanic or anything like that. It's just that is the normal process of the body. It builds up and breaks down. And the byproduct of the things that are being broken down, they need to be eradicated out of the body. So your body is equipped to detox all of these bad things out. And your brain has a very, very special system to detox. And if that system is not working properly, then you're going to definitely have a variety of issues, eye issues being one. Um, and you can have memory loss, brain fog, short-term memory loss, long-term memory loss. Really, the list goes on. If you wake up fatigued in the morning, your brain's not pooping. 
<laughs> and also, too, if you wake up with a low-grade sore throat or you wake up with a low-grade headache, that is a sign that your brain is not detoxing properly. So um, I know that very well because that used to be me. I used to wake up low-grade headache thinking there's mold in my house. You know, there's I have a crappy pillow. We need a new bed. And it's my fault. Yeah, it was none of the above. It literally had to do with a lifetime of chronic sinusitis, um, tonsils that probably should have been removed when I was young, but tonsils that were still ridden with strep from literally when I was a child, had chronic ear infections, um, had mercury toxicity, not necessarily from my teeth, but it was actually from fish consumption. So I had, oh, and I also had a head injury, hit the back of my head, a uh, huge scar, 13 staples, whiplash, couldn't even, I had to lift my head off the pillow. Um, and tons of scar tissue in my neck from it. So literally was like the perfect candidate for your brain not pooping. (laughs) So I had many issues with how well my brain was detoxing. And I remember, you know, going through points in time that I was actually concerned, like walking into rooms being like, what am what are, what did I come in here for? What am I doing? Literally, it was scary. Um, and literally, this was in my late twenties. And when once I found out I had mercury, I was like, oh, this is it. And tried to detox from mercury and kept hitting roadblocks and just kept learning, growing, evolving and started to realize that, you know, there was there were structural components. There were scar components. There were lymph node components. There were a lot of layers that needed to be dealt with. Should we talk about some of these therapies? Yeah, let's go for it. So for I mean. Not always, because like you said, everybody tests differently. Um, but foundationally, you want to make sure that there's proper blood flow, uh, like yeah. 100%. And that's like one of the cool things, um, getting down to how important you know neurons need to fire. They need nutrients, and a lot of they get the nutrients not only from, uh, like you said, the CSF, uh, that fluid that pretty much surrounds the brain and goes through the spinal cord, uh, stands for cerebral spinal fluid. That part you know, carries nutrients, so you have mm-hmm. proper flow of that. But as soon as they drop the nutrients off, then they're pretty much acting like garbage um, and picking up all of that debris uh, yep. that you're talking about. Just like that, proper flow of blood. So you need an uh, increased amount of blood. One of my favorite things is infrared saunas. The saunas literally act like, it's not like your typical sauna. Uh, you walk in and it's crazy hot. Uh, you walk in and infrared, just like the sun, it heats up objects, doesn't mm-hmm. heat up the air. So it takes about 15 minutes to start sweating, um, 10, I'm laughing 20. because it took me an hour and 15 minutes the first time I ever went into an infrared sauna to break a sweat. So when you go into a sauna and it takes you that long to sweat, that pretty much tells you your lymphatic system is not working properly. It ain't working at all. And it's not working at all. So that um, that's really something important because I used to go to the gym when I was young and I remember just not really sweating. I would only like glisten and I thought it was great. <laughs> but uh, I had little did I know was that was reflective of how poorly my detox pathways were working. Yeah, so infrared sauna is that heats you up from the inside out. So it's like when you're sick and you have a temperature, it's fantastic because the body's really trying to have that high temperature to really kill off uh, these microorganisms or move toxicity around. It moves it around because anytime the body gets hot from the inside out, uh, heat expands things. So looking at your blood flow, your not only your arteries, but your veins, 
arteries increased more blood flow, more oxygen, more nutrients. Uh, veins is the opposite. It's really helping to get all of the bad things out. And then the same thing with your lymphatic system. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's like you, your own lymphatic system was like sludge, uh, wasn't moving. Mm -hmm. um, but as it finally heated up and really got that moving, uh, that's a big component of being able to allow the brain to detox as well as get at the nutrients. Yeah. So the infrared sauna is, is absolutely amazing from that component. And then when we do have patients that are struggling more so with the physical component, they either have had head injuries, they have scars on their head, um, they have uh, structural problems with their neck then uh, we actually we actually have a whole array of different things that we utilize. So this might, this might take up some time. Yeah, <laughs> so, well, one of the therapies that we have is called craniosacral therapy. Craniosacral therapy is amazing because the whole purpose of it is to improve how well the blood and cerebral spinal fluid is moving from the skull, the brain, all the way down into the spinal cord and even the low back. So it makes sure that everything is moving in the way that it's supposed to, to really activate that, that garbage system that Nick said. So making sure that it's, it's cleaning up and detoxing the bad stuff out, but also delivering the proper nutrients. So that is definitely something we find some people are a candidate for when they have more of head injuries or structural issues. Um, if that also comes from, say, scars, uh, we actually offer something called scar release and scar release is just uh, I can't even tell you how much of a game changer it is because most people never have their scars tended to and these scars uh, create adhesions that uh, create blockages for how things flow uh, but it also carries uh, trauma it, a lot of them carry uh, energetic trauma uh, especially if you know when you had that injury it was from a traumatic experience it was like a life or death experience um, or just a very scary experience. So uh, helping to release the scar tissue is actually really, really significant in a lot of people. And then if it's more neurological coming from a structural issue, I mean, we have the chiropractic to be able to help make sure all the, the vertebrae is in alignment. Mm -hmm. uh, and then looking at the cranial nerves itself, mm -hmm. being able to do the proper uh, eye exercises uh, that's gonna stimulate that specific cranial nerve pathway uh, to fire. If you find a, you know, a, as doing functional neurology, it's always, you know, trying to do the most good with the fewest amount of exercises for the client because, um, you know, they're not going to do a lot anyways. Uh, but we also <laughs> do the exercises kind of on steroids because we will utilize a brain entrainment device. So what's really fascinating is um, both Nick and I, uh, our original degrees are as chiropractors, and I think our biggest qualm with the profession was that um, we were, with traditional adjustments, you're not always activating the neurological system to the capacity that you can. They are activating parts of the neurological system, but we found that there were ways that you can really amplify that. And if you activate the neurological system, you create longer lasting changes. So we have actually evolved to utilizing something called neurological chiropractic. And what we're doing is we're using um, glasses and headphones to stimulate the visual and auditory system. So in doing that, the person is utilizing the brain entrainment device and stimulating parts of the brain through the eyes and through the cranial nerves as we work on the body, have them do eye exercises, have them do balancing exercises. So we're actually getting the brain and the body to communicate again. And we're also strengthening the cranial nerves through this process. So it's really just amazing the things that you can do that will help the eyes, but 
really the bigger picture is helping the brain. Do you want me to get into emotional issues? <laughs> He's like, <laughs> I've been waiting to talk about my feelings. Do we still have time? Do we still have, have time? You go for um, it. So Nick really wants to shed light on how the emotional component can play a role in your eyes. And this is actually very, very fascinating. So, so I mean, looking at an integrative practice, uh, it's really our job as physicians to take in as much information as possible. Mm -hmm. Because you honestly, you never know what that biggest void is that's causing the distress uh, onto the person. And it's like, there's been so many times in our past that we didn't give the emotional content, the mental mental capacity um, really enough attention yeah enough attention and until we really became fully encompassed in the creative uh, that's I feel like quote-unquote the magic has been happening mm -hmm. and it's because it's like when you look at the eyes uh, there's like metaphysically speaking when you look at traditional Chinese medicine uh, it's like it's not a hundred percent like this but it's like anger stored in the liver you know grief is stored in the lungs fears in the kidneys uh, so it when you look at the eyes there's a component to you know what are you not wanting to see in your life what mm -hmm. are you not wanting to deal uh, with uh, in your life uh, what's holding back what do you want to sweep under the rug right and a lot of times almost 99 percent uh, of something that it's a component because when you look at the the brain, uh, especially the limbic system, that's processing a lot of that information of the emotions. It starts in the two largest areas, your amygdala. Uh, the amygdala goes in, um, but it's also interesting enough that, for the most part, most of our information coming through our senses is coming through the eyes. Uh, mm -hmm. So a lot of that judgment is actually being transmitted through the eyes uh, and then being processed through the amygdala. The interesting thing neurologically looking at the eyes is that there's a very powerful direct uh, communication between the frontal brain and the hind brain with the limbic system kind of being the middle aspect of that. Uh, so it's like when you talk about a lot of these head injuries and the cranial nerves being right in back of the brain that affects uh, the eyes, it's really the eyes bringing that communication pathway into the cranial nerves and then that information coming up eventually getting to the amygdala uh, processing uh, or quote-unquote not processing well um, that perception creating that emotional imbalance uh, so when you look let's recap that okay. so the eyes the eyes take information in and process it through the amygdala which is the emotional center of the brain let's just keep it at that okay Jeez, <laughs> I just wanted to get it scientific <laughs> keeping it simple the if you're not dealing with what you want to see if you're living in a fantasy or you're uh, living through guilt and shame because uh, of a perception that you see, it's it's not until, you, honestly, you work through that and you bring that perception back into balance, uh, that visual system is not going to be fully free of the stress in order to be able to, quote-unquote, heal. Yeah. Well, I think this was uh, something that we actually had uh, we had a, a specific scenario with a patient that, that was crazy. Um, it, it was literally hit the nail on the head but we were working um there were there were various components but we were working on an autoimmune eye condition and uh as we you know we dug b deeper and we, the patient was very open and she described that there were some uh dynamics in her family based off of her culture and um, it was kind of just like, don't talk about it. And a lot of it had to do with, um, you know, with loyalty and 
pretty much cheating, put it that way. And it was something that people knew were happening, but it was just, you have to accept it and we don't talk about it. And uh, when we, you know, we started to, to talk about that more and I helped her understand that there could be a connection between that dynamic and the fact that, you know, she was pretty much taught not to, not to see it and not, and not to say anything about it. Um, you know, she literally looked at me and was like, that actually makes a lot of sense. And uh, we were able to take her through the Demartini method. Uh, in addition, we still, we did a lot of neurological work. We, we did craniosacral therapy. There were physical components as well. It wasn't just emotional, but um, she was able to have a massive improvement in her eyes just from doing the different physical therapies. And then the Demartini method was literally the icing on the cake that pretty much allowed her um, lab results to go into uh, being normal. So it's just absolutely fascinating because this is not even just about her eyes at this point. This is literally a person who her whole life has changed. Her whole mindset and dynamic has changed. She's stepping into her relationship differently. So, um, so it's really fascinating work when you're able to uh, look at the big picture and really understand all of the components that contribute to, uh, to health. So long story short, eye issues are also <laughs> a brain issue. <laughs> And we're done. <laughs> so I hope that you guys under understood most of this and really took a lot away. Um, you know, the biggest point is, is that, you know, we do what we do from an integrative standpoint because uh, nothing is linear. Uh, nothing is two people with eye issues don't have the same thing going on. It could be caused from completely different uh, components or, oh, or I reasons. I got to say one thing. I forgot. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. No, it's just simply that. Uh, trying like being dependent on glasses is like wearing a crutch uh, so anytime you're wearing glasses um, not saying that some people don't have to wear glasses but when you do it you're actually being dependent on an external source so your your eyes are going to continue to get weaker and weaker yeah. unless you're taking those glasses off and doing some actually a physical workout for them to try to strengthen those neural pathways yeah no I think that's really key is that the glasses will serve their purpose, obviously, if you can't see and you need to yeah. <laughs> work and drive and do all of those things. But it's being able to give your body breaks from it and strengthen the eyes um, or work with someone who's going to help you um, strategically with strengthening the eyes. Um, but first and foremost is figuring out, is there an underlying issue that is contributing to the eyes being uh, out of balance? So, uh, so overall, uh, if you are looking for an integrative approach to really understand what is going on with your eyes, especially in someone who is dealing with an autoimmune eye condition or your eyes are continually getting worse, uh, we really want to, you know, decipher what is the foundational reason for that. And it's looking at the physical components, the sinuses, the brain, the cranial nerves. It's looking at all of those things. And your, you know, your physicians need to be understanding how many things can actually affect your eyes so that you can get the results you're looking for. So if you're looking to hop on a strategy call, definitely check out our website, integrativewellnessgroup.com, and you can learn a little bit more about our approach and uh, how we work with our patients. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. We thank you for being a listener and subscriber to Integrative Wellness Radio. If you're looking to learn more about Integrative Wellness Group as well as Dr. Nick or Dr. Nicole, you can check out integrativewellnessgroup.com.